This is Rugger Matrix America. I like that music. Uh, you know what that music reminds me of? It, it makes me think of the uh, old Hartford Whalers hockey team and the music that they would play when they scored a goal. I don't know, Bruce, did you, uh, you didn't follow the Whalers much at all, did you? No, actually, I'm from New York, and because I'm built like a whale, I followed the Hartford Whalers tremendously, and they had, <laughs> they had a... They had a, a, a great player by the name of Ron Francis. <laughs> when when the Hartford Whalers moved moved to Carolina, he's actually the director of coaching down in Carolina, and they had Gordy Howe, who was about a thousand years old, playing with. Yeah, his, uh, they was playing with his sons. Um, Gordy Howe was playing with um, Mark Howe, and I'm trying to remember what the other one's name was. Well. Uh, when he scored a goal and when Ron Francis scored a goal and when Dale Howarchuk scored a goal, they would play this music and it would be this. That is some uh, some pretty impressive sports music right there. Yeah, I mean, I think Ulf Samuelson and Grant Jennings, when they got traded with Ron Francis, were pretty upset about not being in the arena in Hartford to uh, to listen to that music more often. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. Perfect. Well, uh, aside from all that reminiscing about the the grand old days of the Whalers, uh, we do have a, a great show starting out with our our second period of our. Super League previews, and we are welcoming player coach for the Old Puget Sound Beach Club, Evan Haig, to the show. Yeah, um, it's going to be nice to have Evan here. He he really brought the Puget Sound team around, and they had a terrific team last year, and, and as we had alluded to on other shows and during the season, how it was, they were a very difficult off, outfit to deal with from the offensive side of the ball. They have a lot of strike power and firepower. And Evan, are you still a player coach or are you just a coach? I am still a player coach. Yeah, I'm back from my uh, ACL reconstruction and I'm good to go. Well, well Evan, Evan, was that difficult for you? I remember you, you, you hurt your knee first game of the season last year, so you became a, a sideline coach. Was that difficult for you? Did you learn something from it? I think um, I think it was extremely difficult to begin with, um, going from being a very active player within the team to just servicing and being a coach took a different mindset for me. Um, so I would say, yeah, it was difficult, but what it did do was give me a total different perspective on coaching um, and a different perspective to my players and the organizational stuff around the coaching role that I, that I hold there. And um, I would, without a doubt, say it, changed me as a coach and has really made me grow into the coaching role. So. Well, you had a good season last year and, and, and you had a lot of good games, but you probably didn't reach where you wanted to reach, or maybe maybe you did in making the playoffs, but I, I think that you probably wanted to go a little bit further. What did, what did, what did you change this year to try to turn maybe a, a quarterfinal appearance into a semifinal appearance or, or possibly even a championship? Well, let's hope we uh, make semifinals since it's just straight semifinals this year. But, 
Yeah, we 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 re reassessed everything after the year, and we we made some changes to um, the coaching structure. Um, this year, we've brought in two coaches. We have a South African forwards coach now, and Yasser Papenfuss, and um, Wiseli Serebi is also in there in somewhat of a consulting role and assistant role um, within what we're doing there. So that's definitely um, brought us a different vision of what we're doing. Um, you know, the previous coaches did a wonderful job um, and it brought us to where we were. Um, we felt like it was time to bring in some fresh look onto how, how everything was happening and so that was definitely one of the things we've done. Um, and we realised we are an attacking force. Um, we have a very exciting bunch of players who all love to play open brand and um, brand of rugby and that's, that's definitely evident in our summer success through the sevens. Um, so we feel like our attacking stuff um, will will take care of itself to some extent. Obviously, always you always need to work on the core skills around uh, the attack. You know, your catch pass, uh, understanding and utilizing space, the key decisions you need to make around all of that, and giving the players the ability to utilize those decisions um, is always a key component. But the defensive side of the game is where we've struggled, um, and the physicality side of the game is kind of to some extent is where we struggled. So. You know, we, we spent a lot of time working and recruiting and um, understanding what the key weaknesses were um, and how we're going to strengthen those and then how to get better at obviously at our strengths. So I would say that the biggest area we really want to focus on is our defense um, and then um, understanding, you know, how physical Super League is. You know, we play up in Canada as well and the big difference that people always, they always ask, you know, what the difference between the two is and it's, it's the physicality. You know, the Canadians are smart, but they're not as physical as um, as, the, as the Super League sides who are big, big, big boys who like to get around there and bash each other up. Well, it was a pretty physical game. A couple of games you played in Las Vegas, sort of your warm-up matches, and I yeah did I did did get to watch the Provo Steelers game, which really wasn't a, a, a superb advertisement for the the game because there was a lot of mistakes going on. Um, but what struck me about that match was the influence, not only of uh, Wiseli Serevi talking to the players, but also uh, Pate Tuilavuka, uh, mm-hmm. who who's joined the club, and and really obviously with his experience of playing professionally overseas and also playing with the USA national team, his experience, I think, uh, I'm guessing, I, I'm, I'm making the assumption here that that he's brought some leadership and and the guys are looking up to him a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Pate um, has been a really big influence on the guys this year. We got lucky, you know. He moved into town, and um, we were able to, you know, utilize his services. And he's fully committed to what we're doing. And the guys, the guys respect him, uh, respect what he says, and he knows what he's talking about. Um, but he also respects what we've got in place. You know, he knows that he's walking into a situation where um, everything's everything's kind of, the hard work's been laid somewhat in front of him already, you know, the, the development of the, the structure and the culture um, has spent the last two and a half years working on and he gets to walk in and, and be a part of that and he's deeply honoured and was somewhat, you know, I wouldn't say embarrassed, but was taken back that we asked him to captain um, and to, to be that leader for us um, because of his experience and his ability to lead the players um, but I just feel like he's doing a great job for us, and you know, his his main goal right now is is we're not going to win it through individuals. Um, we're going to win it as a team. 
you know, Partey, Partey may have the name and, um, you know, there may be other players on the team who have the name and are able to be written about, but it's, it's a team sport and it's all about the team performing and coming together and wanting to perform for each other. Well, speaking of your team, and you made a couple changes. Pate's obviously a big name you brought in. Yep. What are some of the comings and goings? Who are some of the players that you've brought in, either domestically or from international circles? And who are some of the players that you lost over the course of the season? I would say more of a focus on the players we lost. Um, I think, I, coincidentally, today I, uh, I looked through the, uh, the Super League, the semi uh, quarterfinal game that we lost against Nyack and the team list that we have there comparable to um, the team list that we're probably going to have this weekend and you know there's there's a 40% rollover again maybe even maybe even a little more than that so you know we we've had a lot of our older players um, have had to follow other adventures in terms of family life and um, their work taking over things so you know, we we've lost we lost Travis, our captain. Um, we lost Chris Stone, our, our one of our flankers. Um, we've lost uh, Adam Cobb. We've lost um, Royal Smalley. We've lost Michael Stewart. Um, and that's just what that's six players already. All of them were involved in what we were doing. So, along with a a little bit of um, natural attrition with players, um, you know, younger players deciding they. You know, they wanted to take a break from a strong summer and things like that. So, um, you know, I think it's the, it's my experience with being involved in this club and being involved in other clubs is that's that's natural year after year that some players will come back, some players will disappear. So, but that's still a huge amount of experience. Those are, those are some of those names have been around with uh, Puget Sound for for a very long time. Absolutely, and and it's a big loss, and we're seeing it. And that's why Partey's influence um, is, is very important for us. So, you know, having that experience coming in and being able to control things. But the point we keep bringing home to the players is that this is their opportunity. This is their team. You know what I mean? They don't, they're no longer playing for Chris Stone's team. They're no longer playing for Michael Stewart's team. They're playing for themselves. They get to write their own, to write their own destiny and they get to write what they believe is is right. Um, what they believe is is the right thing for them to be playing under the right style, the right way. They have their own way of thinking about these things, and you know it's it's refreshed the club. You know, and, and last year it was the same again. You know, we had a lot of young influence, and you know it does. It really refreshes everybody being involved, and and it's important that clubs continually keep building forward at, at that level. Um, you cannot rely upon the same people year after year after year. There's obviously the core people, but if you do that, then your club is not not continuing to develop forward. And, and well, I, I have to agree with Alex there. You did lose quite a bit of experience there, mm-hmm. and and I would. What do you have backing that up? Because it, it is great. It's great to say you're going to play an attacking style and play yep. the style that you're going to. But a lot of times when you play that type of game with a lot of young players who haven't been around a lot, that you you have there's a very good chance that you beat yourself in winnable games. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, so, you know, I, and that would, if I were coaching, that would be a pretty big concern of mine. And when what, who have you brought in to maybe counteract that besides Pate? What other young kids have come up through the ranks, through the, whether it be Central Washington or, or UW or, or maybe through the under-19s or the Redmond program or whatever? 
who's who's really come through to to help you out absolutely so we we definitely picked up a couple of really talented young players we're excited about Uh, one of them is our uh loose head prop oliver kilafui um so he he's very talented um He's been around um, the Northwest here for a while. Um, he's really committed and developed and got himself in shape and is going to be a dominant force within the Super League. Um, Bill Leclerc came out and took a, took a look at him and was blown away with uh, his ability. So, you know, Oliver had a standout two games in Las Vegas um, and we're very excited to see what he's going to come forward. Um, you know, he's a 300-pound beast of a man. So... Um, in the second row, we've brought in some little bit of experience from abroad um, in, in um, a player from um, Southern Districts named Matt Truville, um, and he brings a lot of leadership and a lot of skills. Um, he, he play, he's played at a very high level with, at Australia, in Australia, so that has definitely brought a lot of experience and control within that forward pack. Um, we brought back in... Um, we bring back in... Uh, Tim Jacobson, um, Dan Treewheeler, uh, both very exciting back row players, along with Stan Mowali, who was picked up, um, who's kind of played numerous different clubs, played for Golden Gate, played for uh, Ombak, played for Glendale over in, in, in Denver, and has decided that he wants to be back home again in Seattle and is looking in great shape. So we picked up picked up quite a few players in there in that four pack. In the back line, we didn't lose as many. Uh, with Partey coming in, always adds strength. Um, myself coming back into the team, always I'd like to hope bring bring plenty of plenty of experience at the back there, um, considering my position and, and as well as uh, my experience. And then we've got the two um, the two brothers, Thormoni and Smelly, are obviously back again this year, who um, are probably the most dangerous attackers within the league. So um, I feel like we're pretty comfortable where we're at. Um, a lot of players are developing, um, and hopefully will surprise us with how well they play it, how well they take on that extra pressure at, um, of the Super League. Speaking of developing players, is Vladimir Natsakanov coming back this year? He is. He's definitely coming back. So he, Vladimir just keeps putting on size, and he's got a chest like a bear, and it's, it's incredible physical specimen that he is and he's a 20 year old man who when he grows into his body um you know he grows a heart to match his body and he grows a style to match his body he's going to be an incredible force and we're seeing that already this year you know last year was a real development year for Vladi and he learned the lessons the hard way um but did a really good job so now that's a local high school product, a Washington-based high school product at Prop Vladi Manatsakhanov, for those listeners who don't know, and you should uh, remember that name. And also you moved Izzy DeVita to fly half, did you know? Into a fly half role, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely um, it's a working progress. So Izzy's doing great things there. He's a very dangerous player and creates a lot of space for a lot of people. Um, we want to get the ball in his hands as much as we can, um, which will allow space to be created for any one of our dangerous runners and our back line. So, um, but the key, the key really component is the players need to be, those players need to be put on the front foot, um, and that's that's really been the focus. Um, and hence, we spent a lot of time redeveloping and reworking the forward pack to try and make things happen in there. I, I agree with I agree with putting him at fly half. We actually made a very similar move. 
our best athlete in the back line is Troy Hall, and we turned mm-hmm. him into a fly half because we believe you need to have athleticism at fly half to get your team moving forward. And so I agree with you. Um, question, Ryan Bishop, in or out? Yeah, he's in. He's playing. We've moved him from fly half to halfback. Um, and, he's and is the kid like from St. Yeah. Mary's still playing? I forgot his name. I want to say Evan Barriott. Devin. Yeah. Evan Barriott is um, recently married, um, started a new law career, and his wife is uh, pregnant. So okay, he, this year, will be taking a little bit of time off. Um, maybe towards the end of Super League, we may get a venture of Evan Barriott around. But, um, you know, Evan... Naturally, as Evan disappears as one um, as one St Mary's player disappears, another one uh, another one appears on our doorstep in um, um, Blake McGeekin, I think his last name is. Um, yeah. And he, he played halfback for St Mary's last year and is a very talented player. So he he joins our squad as well this year. Actually, to add to Blake, Blake is the depth. Awesome. he's awesome. He's a really good player. Yeah. And he's, yeah, and he's, he's a little dude who who looks like he's on a, on American Idol or something. He actually tackles. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, and, he, and he's got some serious. Playing. You had a terrific number eight last year, an Islander who I don't whose name escapes me, but he was absolutely um, outstanding. He, yeah, Mike Falcon and I hey. thought that that he was the best number eight in the league. We we would have Samu in in the same argument, and and you know, but we would have played Samu at second row if we were selecting an all league team, and we put that kid at eight. He was terrific. Yeah, Parlay brought a lot of um, go-forward power um, and an ability to get the ball out of the hooker's feet was um, was second to none. So you could you could never buy that ability to stick your hand that far into the scrum and be able to pull that ball out. Um, and his running lines were magic. Um, he he's back in Australia again, um, so we we won't Parlay won't be back with us this year, uh, which is disappointing. But um, you know we feel like we've got plenty of depth in the back row there to making things happen like that. Well, that's perfect. Evan Haig, thank you very much for taking the time to give us the insight on what's going on with Old Puget Sound Beach, which is a club I think is definitely on the rise and good things are happening with them. So best of luck with the new season. Wonderful. Thank you, Alex. Well, I, I, I guarantee you one thing. They're going to get they're going to get all their bonus points. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Perfect. And so thanks a lot. You're welcome, Alex. Thanks a lot, Evan. It was great. Okay. Good luck. This okay. Season. Thank you. All right, well, our next guest on our Super League previews, Bruce, is uh, somebody who's in a very interesting position because it's a brand-new team, not a new team just the Super League, but a brand-new team from nothing built up, uh, and that is the head coach of the Utah Warriors, John Law. And, uh, John, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hey, thanks, Bruce. Alex, good to be with you. Yeah, it's definitely nice to have you on. It's, this is an, an interesting concept that I think can, I think is going to work and – especially in areas like Utah and Salt Lake City in general, where you have you have two very strong rugby programs in Utah and BYU, and you also have have Highland and United and then and then other programs around that can really that can really feed in. So yeah, Alex, why don't you start going at this is gonna be a great interview. I'm very excited about this one. Well, John, what are some of the issues that you needed to deal with in terms of starting with a whole new team. Obviously, you knew what you had in terms of some of the players, but you had to bring them together, and and you didn't have a long-term uh, chemistry that so many of these other clubs have built up. 
No, and that's going to be uh, a continued issue that we face throughout this season. Uh, some of the issues that we're facing right now are, are issues that you would certainly expect bringing a team of this sort together. We've got guys that have played in different systems. They've got different rugby philosophies. We even face cultural issues and uh, ethnic issues that we're trying to deal with. But uh, all in all, the boys have been excited about coming together for this this team, and they've given a great effort. Of course, preparing for an outside game in the in the Rockies in the middle of winter is tough, and uh, we've put some pressure on them to uh, to get to practice at different times, sometimes training in the middle of the night. That's been another issue, getting this team together. Uh, we, we take the indoor time when we can find it, when we can get it available, and sometimes that's practicing from uh, from 11 p.m. to 1 in the morning, and the boys have been very good to be flexible on that. Wow, that's pretty rough, but you have to find the, the, the space. You have to find the indoor space. Yeah, so far the University of Utah has been very good with uh, letting us work in their indoor football uh, facility, and that's where we've done most of our indoor training. What about the idea of bringing in, like you said, players who just have different rugby backgrounds? And you had that first meeting or that first training, and you as a coach have to stand there and look them in the eye, and you say, well, this is my philosophy, or this is what we're going to be doing. Or did you not do that, and did you wait to see who you had before you started putting together uh, a uh, an entire philosophy of how this team would approach playing rugby? Well, we very much did approach that early on in our sessions. We didn't necessarily have that specific discussions and, uh, discussion until after our tryouts had completed, and we had an opportunity to take a look at our players and work up player profiles on each one of those players. Of course, there's no way for us to establish a team profile and certain patterns of play until we've got the player profiles completed. But once we did that, it was evident that we had certain assets and that we were lacking in others, and we were able to put together strategies and systems that I think benefit that. It was hard for several of our guys to uh, embrace those philosophies, which were different, um, playing what's in front of you, playing with your eyes up and taking what the defense gives instead of just simply imposing your will, which is, which is really what a lot of Utah rugby has been in the past uh, with some of these guys, especially at the men's level. So we did have to have that discussion, but so far I am extremely pleased with the guys. They've really adapted well. Well, how did you go about that? You said you had tryouts. How did you go about the tryout system? Who showed up, and how did you how did you make decisions, or did you kind of did you get into a club mentality? That, hey, look, we're all in this together, and we'll you can all be part of this. So did you, or did you pare it down to what you wanted? Well, the first thing we did was we got some of the representatives from the existing men's teams together and told them what we had in mind. We asked for their support, uh, and we we built it as though this should be something they view as a distinct honor. If some of their players are selected to play with the Warriors, it would be a badge of honor for their club. Most of the clubs really liked the idea. Uh, there were a couple that, that didn't like it as much, and so... Uh, after that was out of the way, then we sent out notices to all of the men's club players that we were holding open tryouts. Uh, we had two tryouts that were open, open for anybody, and we had a lot of people show up. Uh, by a lot, I mean we had 50 and 60 guys showing up at our tryouts. We had two separate tryouts. And at the end of the second tryout, that very night, we announced the roster that had made our player pool, not necessarily the Super League team, but our player pool. And while we had that player pool established, we then started tearing things down. 
to get to the working roster that we have now. And who would be some of the who would be some of the local boys who've come through on your roster? And you know, tell us a little bit about their um, a little bit about their backgrounds, and just you know, give us a give us a hit as to where they're from and 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 some of that. Yeah, absolutely. We've got uh, a lot of local boys. In fact. I think it's been well publicized that the majority of our team is made up of local Utah players. Um, we've got players such as Matt Bird in the backs, of course, Jason Pye, uh, Mike Palatow, uh, some of the names that, that you'd also recognize, Vito Gaka, Joe Lomu. Uh, ben Nichols is an interesting one. Ben is actually uh, from Zimbabwe. He's going to be our number nine this year. We're really we're excited about what Ben uh, what Ben brings to the table here. He can control the match extremely well, but he's one of those that's not one of our local boys. Uh, but an interesting story to watch on him. I, I think everybody knows a bit about Mike Palafow and Jason Pye. We've also got former collegiate All-Americans and Pacific Grizzly players with uh, guys like Richard White. A couple of young and up-and-coming players, Billy Talatu. Like we said, John, the the player pool in Utah is pretty strong. And you, what you had was, or what you still have, you've got University of Utah, you have BYU, and as we said, uh, people who played for, say, Highland and Skyline and Davis and Murray and, and United and, and Lone Star, Lone Star, Lone Peak, sorry, um, all, all those different high school programs. But then there's also that uh, cadre of clubs that play their club rugby in Utah. An awful lot of those uh, players are, are of Polynesian descent. So you, do you, ha- you, you, you hinted a little bit at the, the cultural clash. Is the cultural clash from the club guys and the college guys coming together? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. There's just a different style of rugby, and there's also a different mindset about how to approach the game. Um, and and in, the thing that it, that I need to clarify on that is that it's fairly benign, that cultural clash, but these boys have had a lot of history playing against one another, and the men's division in Utah, though fairly small and acute, has been very heated, and those games have, have been some... Uh, alive and well rivalries. And so those boys had to learn to put that aside and get over any of the axes they previously had to grind. That's really what I was talking about more was in, in friction that occurred in the men's division. Right, so the the, the, the grudges, they, they stick around for a little bit. Hey, John, you got, you got a, you got, you seem to have a rocking back line with, with, a, with a lot of jets and, you know, with a guy like Bird, a lot of power. What do you got going there up front to uh, give these guys a platform to play from? Well, that's coming along nicely. Uh, we've got uh, – we're still assembling a few. We've got another prop that's coming in that has been transferred with a government job here to Utah. He's been playing contract rugby over in the Netherlands, uh, of all places. So he's going to add a little bit of depth. Of course, we've got – Blake Burdett that's going to be on our front row when he's available, should be available about half the time. We've got uh, Kike Afiyaki. And where where are most of your boys from? I mean, you got the guy from the Netherlands, you got the guy, from, you got your foreigner from Zimbabwe. You got any other guys coming in from anything else, like any surprises through Dave Smith or Larry Gelwicks or anybody who's kind of around that gives you 
a little bit of potency there that, you know, maybe is Steve St. Pierre able to play for you or is he still out in the West Coast? He's out in the West Coast, and we explored that early on. He expressed an interest in playing with us, but as it is, uh, it just isn't going to work out with his schedule this year. We hope that we can get him in the future because I think he would be a very nice addition. Um, he does play a position uh, in loose forwards that, that we're fairly stacked at. We've got a lot of good loose forwards that are going to add depth to our team. Guys that you may not know, uh, guys like Tavita, uh, and Tavita Nafe and uh, Theophilus Sinaki, uh, a couple of others like Naki Angilau. Uh, people know that name. In fact, you know, there's Naki Angilau, his son that played for the University of Utah, but this is his father, and he's still amazingly enough fit enough to play. Uh, a couple of other names you may not know about, Sateki Now, uh, high motor guy, our captain, Sa Palipoy, is is going to offer us a real nice firepower punch. So, yeah, our, our pack is, is going to be slow in developing. We hope that we've got the right chemistry going into the season, but I'm very confident that by midseason they're going to be tight. John, you, you, you're, a pretty, you're actually a pretty young coach, and how is that dealing? You, you're dealing with a lot of guys with a, with a bit of Asian experience. How has that been? You know, I know that you've coached. I know you you have your experience, coach, but you're still a pretty young guy relative to. Not, not, I guess you're about an average age for coaches in the league, but relative to the age of the guys and experience of your guys on your team, you you know you have you are a pretty young guy. And how is that uh, working with? How are you feel? How is that going for you? Just fine. The boys have been great with it. I think the key is preparation. If I come in and I'm confident and I've prepared for the session uh they're excited about listening they're excited about learning and and implementing the systems so there hasn't been a problem with that yet yeah i think that's absolutely huge that when you come into any session you have to know exactly what you're going to be saying and what you're going to be doing and and uh with with a an older coach with a guy with a a few more gray hairs that people might be a little bit more patient in waiting okay don't worry he'll come up with something in a minute but um you, I, I think, I think with a younger coach, especially with players who played internationally or just played for a long time, you, you have to have all your ducks in a row for each session. Uh, otherwise, it's a waste of considered a waste of time. Um, what one of the biggest things with this team, of course, is that it is a how do we call it a semi-professional team that uh, Sean Whalen has has put money behind it to help get the team going. Uh, how how has that been working? How has the how have the players responded to that? Is that something where you have to keep sort of reminding themselves? Well, you know, hold on a minute. We're we're you know don't quit your day job, and uh, you know when not everything's going to be paid for, but um, it will be a little different. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the players have a fairly good understanding of what the arrangement is and what we're trying to accomplish down the road. They're very grateful for the advancement that this team means to them right now, just not having to pay for their travel uh, to get to games, not having to pay for their own registration dues, not having to pay a team due has been big for these guys. So their expectations, I think, have been in the right place, and I think that they've approached this with uh, a good level of humility and gratitude. John, I think that I, the reason I say that the model works is that it's kind of very similar to AC, Old Blue, um San Francisco, you know, to some extent life. And, 
you know, every everybody's a little bit different in, in that. But so the model does work. That's kind of how we how how our teams operate. It's not maybe not to the as professional of an extent. You have a very exciting development in the fact that you're playing at Rio Tinto Stadium. And do you have season ticket holders? Are you charging people for tickets? Are you going to allow youth to go free? How is that all going to be working out? And and have you got any sponsorship arrangements yet, or is it just early days and you're just trying to get your feet going? Well, here's the challenge with that. Is, as, as we were a late acceptance into the Super League, we had to wait uh, until we got a lot of the ducks in a row. And as soon as we approached Rio Tinto on that, they were excited about the partnership with us. But they asked us to get our dates into them right away so that they could submit blackout dates to Major League Soccer. Uh, the, uh, the Super League schedule didn't come out in time for us to meet that deadline. So what that did is it pushed us back into a relegated position. Major League Soccer's deadline had come, and they were establishing their schedule, which then got delayed because of TV contracts. So we are just now finalizing all of our contracts with Rio Tinto and arranging our sponsorships. Uh, it's been amazing in the local area how many emails and phone calls I get and Sean Whalen gets, uh, people that are excited about being a part of this and jumping on with sponsorship dollars. And uh, so the marketing is rolling forward. We do have sponsorship interest, but to be honest with you, I've asked Sean to leave me out of as much of that as possible. I want to focus on coaching and not get encumbered with any of the other details. So he might be a better one to ask on those arrangements. Yeah, I don't blame you at all on that. It is, uh, it's a, a lot of work to coach a team, and it's a lot of work to coach a team from the ground up and uh, leave the business side to the business guys. Um, John Law with the Utah Warriors, it will be very interesting to see how you do this season, uh, as you said, bringing everything together, everyone together for the first time and, and trying to create something out of nothing. And uh, thank you very much for being on the show. We wish you the best. Yeah, John, I really think it's going to be an exciting season. And best of luck to you. And thanks for joining. And, and we, you know, we really appreciate it. And we're, you know, all, all of us as teams and coaches are very excited for what you're bringing to the table as a team and as an organization. And I, you know, I think that, you, you know, you got some, you got some real gifted players. You got some real name players in there. You got some young players who possibly aren't known, but will be soon enough. So this is going to be good. And, and, and you have a place to draw from. So good luck with everything. And, and we're hoping that it, uh, that it works out terrifically in, in your favor. So, and, and, and thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. We wish all the best to you as well. And, uh, let's have a great year. Our next Super League preview guest is James Isaacson, and he is the head coach of the Life University Super League team. They have uh, Dan Payne as the director of rugby, and James Isaacson is in charge of the Super League outfit for Life University. And welcome to the show, James. Thank you, guys. Yeah, welcome, James. Definitely nice to have you on. Um, last year you lost in the semifinal, the year before – Life lost in the final, and, and and pretty disappointing losses both times to Golden Gate. They were in, incredibly close games that that were pipped on, 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 on the last two minutes of each game. And I was wondering, what's the attitude like on the team, and what are you guys thinking looking into this season? What's your what's your goals and aspirations at this point? Well, um, 
Firstly, the, the, the game, I think, was lost in the final of, of Super League two years ago. It was before my time. I was obviously here for last year's uh, semi-final match against San Francisco and actually played in the game, uh, but obviously heard all about the year before. And it was disappointing, you know, how it uh, ended against San Francisco last year. But um, for me, it's, it's taken over as, as head coach and, and trying to get across to the guys, you know, how to finish games and close games out like that. I've based my coaching a lot of, a lot around um, that and, and, and playing for the full 80 minutes, which some uh, some players did struggle with before I came here. So um, a lot of that was to do with fitness. Um, a lot of that was to do with um, guys not having to, uh, to to think for themselves for, for that length of period. You guys relying on the main the main spine of the side, the eight, the ten, to, to do all the work and the, and the communication. So I really concentrated on and on. on Getting each player to uh, act as an individual and really have responsibility themselves for uh, for their job under and under the team collective effort. James, how do you do that? How do you impart that to the players? Do you do things like maybe have a an an in practice scrimmage where you take away some of the the key personnel that you're talking about, put them on the sidelines, and let the other players try and figure it out for themselves? Or how else do you accomplish that? Well, what I do is, as I, as I break the, the the team or the squad down into smaller groups and and, um, and try and replicate small areas of, of, of game, sort of replicate small areas of games, um, small attack drills. So I take, I do separate the decision makers and maybe have one, maybe two in each group, um, and it just and I try to get the guys that are not necessarily um, uh, regarded as, as good talkers or communicators. I try and get them all involved to a level where everyone in the whole group has to talk, or the drill will not work. And it's quite evident when the drill when the drill carries on that it won't function unless these guys speak and, and they speak to each other and take responsibility for each other's actions. That's a game, and you know when you when you when you finish your uh, your specific job in a set piece, for example, and the ball's an open play, everyone is just a rugby player, and everyone's got to you know got to expose all their skills um, as the game goes on. And you know you know it's just the way it is, unfortunately, and the, the way the game's going at the moment. You know, once you move from a set piece or you know. Once the ball's in play, everyone's just become got to become a rugby player, and I don't think guys or the guys here were used to that, so so to speak. And uh, and they took to it well, and, and we've improved a lot. Um, but a, a lot of new things since Scott Lawrence's time um, has changed. But they've took to it well, and 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 ultimately the games will tell that. James, what kind of you had some comings and goings in, in from this year to last year. What new players have, have come into the Life University program and what key players have are no longer with you guys? Yes, we did we did lose um, some experience that have played for Life for over a few years. Nathan Rogers in the centre uh, left, uh, Gary Sullivan left, who were two key players in the back line for us. Um, a few forwards, obviously Scott Lawrence himself took over the uh, USA U20s role and um, uh, the open side Joe Perez and, and second row Joe Brew all left us. For work reasons, so that's you know it's a good five experienced heads, and it was difficult I thought to start off with. But um, with me being at school, I can't be that involved in the recruitment. So Dan has done a fantastic job of getting a few guys in. He's recruited, um, I think the standout recruits are probably the two crossover athletes from Furman College, Sean Van Rensburg and Chris Truss. Obviously they're athletic, and they've, they've in our warm games they've performed pretty well. I think Sean's actually scored maybe seven tries in our warm games. Uh, and Chris uh, three or four, so they've gone and took to it really well. Unfortunately, we lost Sean this week to a shoulder injury, which will keep him up for the season. Um, but Dan has worked on it. Yeah, Dan's worked on it on a, on a replacement, I think, um, which we'll announce in due course. But those guys are, uh, are really have grabbed the headlines, and uh, and and rightly so, I think. 
and it's just the the environment as well at life I think attracted them in the first place. You know, it's a great opportunity for guys here to finish their education if they've been an athlete and, and maybe didn't make pro and uh, want to take on this game here. And, and, and we provide the, the, the great facilities for doing so. How are you doing in handling the transition for some of those crossover athletes? Is it a new thing for you? It is, yes, it is. And and, and Dan is, I think, being used to dealing with that for many a year now, in, you know, in the game in this country. So he sort of teed me up to be uh, to what for what to expect. Um, it hasn't been such uh, so difficult in in Sean Van Rensburg's case, but obviously him being of South African birth, he'd obviously played again before. Chris was obviously a, um, a, a great football player who didn't make. Uh, to the NFL, but um, he is, he, his athleticism, you know, um, obviously pulls him towards the back row in, in our game because he can get around the park. He's really athletic. He can tackle. Um, his handling, as in ball handling, needs some work. But, I mean, as with all the guys, I mean, we, we're going to rep that week in, week out, and it will improve gradually. Um, have, you, have you still got Headley and Jamie Hugh and, 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 and Seth Strauss and, uh, and Phil Teal and Pat Danahy? to kind of shore up the pack athletic. They, they're pretty good athletes yeah, on, I mean, on their own, for their own right. That's right, yes. I mean, I mean Pat and uh, Phil, I mean, they're well aware to, it's a World Cup year here for, um, and those guys obviously are in the U.S. squad uh, or U.S. pool, so they're looking to make a big impression. Um, Head, Chris Headley, he, he's, he's still here. Seth Strauss, those two guys are, are big mainstays of our pack. Jamie Hugh, unfortunately, was, the, was one, the other guy I mentioned who we lost. Um, he's actually moving on to uh, practice medicine uh, further afield. I think I think it could be uh, abroad overseas in South America. But I haven't heard from Jamie for a couple of weeks. But, yeah, we, we, we were resigned to losing him, I think. So we're, we're, we're a little bit thin on the ground in the front row, but we've got, I think, the resources to make it up. How, how valuable is it to have Ben Jones with you, who was also a premiership player like yourself, to work with the halfbacks? I know he's not going to be there the full season. He's going to be there for at least enough to get you through the the early early goings of the season. How valuable has it been with him to work with the halfbacks so that you can free yourself up on on the communication and things like that? Um, yes, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. I mean, um, his uh, his experience and 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 value to uh, with his experiences in the Premiership, like you say, is, it's been huge. We don't get many. Well, it's my, my short time here. I haven't seen many ex-premiership guys, ex-Super 14 guys over here getting involved in that, in that level. And for have him and me here, it can only be a strength. Uh, I'm not saying that to be arrogant in any way. It's just that and we, we didn't know each other uh, personally. We actually played against each other but met on the plane. Um, and it's been really lucky for life to sort of get us at the same time. And, and, and we're really trying to push it through with the value we can add. Um, and he has been it's been invaluable because I don't think guys have been exposed to that level of coaching that he provides uh, on a weekly basis and um, he's, he's worked wonders not just this beginning of this season but also last as well and um, when we first arrived last January together it's uh, it's been pretty pretty big and I don't th- feel that some of the guys really appreciate it and uh, maybe when he goes that will be felt but um, yes it, it's been huge his knowledge is uh, it's it's just it's profound really James, I think it would be a little bit strange to call this a rebuilding year for life, but I think, uh, I, I guess I'm wondering, are you, can you step back and have a look at the totality of the team and see some of the really experienced players that you've lost and, and, and a lot of heart and soul and the backbone of 
the team as it's been for quite a while and see the people that you've lost and see the people you're bringing in and think, well, maybe you're not rebuilding, but you are changing. You're changing the profile of the team and, and, and how you have to change some things. Life doesn't rebuild, Alex. They reload. Get that straight. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Ben, ben he, we were different. The coach, me and me and Ben ourselves. I mean, we um, uh, we had a minimum amount to do with things first because it was Scott's, very much Scott's team, and, and we aided him in anything he asked for. Um, but this time we've been able, because Scott took over the U20s job, we've been able, me and Ben, and been able to mould from the off for ourselves, and we brought a new things, some new things to work on, some different, uh, a different game plan, a different way of attacking, a different way of defending. Um, and um, like I say, from the off, we've been able to, to start things ourselves and bring our experiences from abroad over here. And uh, ultimately, games will tell. And I wouldn't like to admit to you that because you know some people have spoken about it being a rebuilding year for life, I wouldn't like to say that um, as such and go all out and admit that. Um, I, I'd still like, like it to see, seem to be like to be seamless from last year and still get the results and still get to that required level of, of the playoff games and hopefully the final and go on from there. Because I don't want to use that for an excuse, and I think we do have the resources here to to fulfil that. But like I say, the games and ultimately the results will tell that. What about the standard of the game in comparison between your time in England playing professionally there and the Super League? It's uh, it's a it's a different type of game. I mean, obviously the the weather, especially here in the south. But you know, when I when I travel to New York and San Francisco and places like that, I mean, the weather is 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 quite nice you know you can play a fast brand of rugby and I think generally the games are a a quicker pace when the ball's in motion there are a lot more handling errors and 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 that's just to do with with the skill level and and maybe sides or or players not used to going through six seven eight ten phases ten plus phases you know Um, and that's and that creates a stop start game but when the ball's in play I think generally it's quite quick uh, abroad, back in England, it's different. Obviously, the weather's you know not not the best, and it becomes a lot you know it becomes turgid. Some of the games, especially in the winter, um, a lot more forward forward based game. Turgid, that is a great word, perfect rugby word. Yeah, that may be that may be the the heaviest SAT word that's come out of the Life University program in a while. Um, quickly, what are your what are your goals for the season? And I'm not going to say results wise, performance wise. How are you, are you going to tighten down the game? Are you going to are you going to try to play to your to your strengths and 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 look to exploit things? Or do you have a specific style without obviously giving away your game plan? What general differences will we see in the life team this year than we have in years past? Well, um, I mean, I've gone me, me and Ben are from the same mindset really. Well, I've I've initially gone for you know, a solid set piece regardless. I mean, that is a paramount. You know, you can't play off anything else than a solid set piece, especially on our own ball. Um, so I've really drilled that into the guys and, and, and hopefully that will be the first thing that you realise when you see a life side play. Secondly is uh, not so much going all out and blitz defence and being really aggressive there, but picking our opportunities to defend. So obviously just, just continue with the drift, you know, as the game goes on. But if we get numbers in a line, you know, take that opportunity to really, you know, hammer out there and, and get that line speed ahead and really, you know, try and turn a side over. And then if we do do that and, and have success with that, exploit the quick the turnover ball because, you know, as everyone knows in the game, turnover ball is just, you know, the prize piece possession you can play from. Um, in attack, uh, there's been a lot more attack-based training sessions here, um, which I think feel we lacked last year. I feel after we played four, five, six phases, 
if we got to that, some of the guys lost their head a little bit and, and didn't and lost a little bit of direction. So I've really tried to work on, and well, Ben more than me, obviously, but try to work on going through the phases, building phases, and then see what happens to a side when it opens up past six, seven phases. Because guys get, like say, strung out all over the field. And when that does happen and you get to that phase level, you can pick out individual uh, defenders, like you say, the, the, the front row and the front five, and really get our, our, our quicker guys into those, in, into those spaces and into those areas and really exploit it. So that's the main, the main uh, brand we're trying to go for, try to go for, sorry. You sound like you're coaching the AC. I think I think we wrote the same game plan. <laughs> That's why we cancel each other out. Yeah, I know. Too often. Well, James, one last question before you go. We've talked to a lot of people in the Super League about uh, the length of the season, whether it's a six-game season or a seven-game season. Uh, for a lot of people, it never seems to be enough, while others, others somewhere seem to think that it, it's, uh, it, it's actually a good little uh, get-in-and-get-out kind of season that you can fit in uh, as best you can in the in the in the spring so the question to you really is super league is that enough games no no um especially for for the majority of the guys and, and i want to see this too i want to see american guys come over and get into this game and play and and ultimately and they need to learn obviously to be to be successful on a world stage and to accelerate the learning you need to play games you know, and me and Ben talk about this often. We, you know, we back home we play 35, 40 games a season. We've been playing that for 10, 15, 20 years. Over here, you get seven games a season. You know, include the four, maybe an extra three or four. It's just not enough. And I mean, and, and you can train how you want, you know, and train weekly, you know, all year round really. But ultimately, you will learn quickest by playing games, and be and your level of learning will accelerate by playing games. And that needs to happen. I understand the problems with such. I mean, it's a huge country, and there's obviously a financial aspect to that. Um, but I really feel that the, the U.S. Um, Union really needs to, you know, to grab this bull by the horns and, and try and centralise things, try and get a pot of money together, try and get some more fixtures involved, even if it involves boiling down to a local level, and really plough some resources into that. Um, because ultimately, games will accelerate learning in this country faster than anything else. You seem to be preaching the same as every coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And the cackling you hear is from he who has had his opinion backed up yet again. Uh, gloat a little bit on that. And uh, James Isaacson, head coach of Life University Super League team, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, give us an insight into uh, the preseason for the Running Eagles. And thanks also to all our other coaches uh, who have been helping us with our preseason. Thank you. Thanks, James. Have a nice day. Good luck this season, except in week two. <laughs> of course. Cheers, guys. And that will do it for us. For Bruce McLean, this is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com. Thank you for listening to our second installment of the Super League previews here on Rugamatrix America.